Thank you, Pastor Craig, for that awesome introduction. Uh, it's an honor to be with you here today. Thanks, band. You can take your seats. You did great this morning. Well done. Incredible. But uh, it's so great to be with you here today, and I've been looking forward to this for quite a few months now. I think Trinity emailed me maybe nearly a year ago about booking me in for the, um, for the Daughters event, so it's been a much-anticipated event in my calendar, and we had so much fun last night with all the ladies. The foyer looked incredible. To, uh, the team who, who did it up out there were just amazing, but it's an honor to be here, and I just want to take a moment to honor your pastors, Pastor Craig and Trinity. Um, they are incredible. I think you should give them a round of applause this morning. Yeah. Uh, even just being here over the last 24 hours, learning so much from them. They are visionary leaders, culture setter, setters, and pioneers. And uh, I hope you appreciate them today because they are incredible. And just want to honor you. Thanks for having me today. And um, you guys are amazing. But I do, I do bring greetings from um, a rice church in Wellington and um, from Pastor John and Jillian, and it's, it's great to be with you today. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Anna, and uh, I think my, my husband Ben was here with you guys about a year and a half ago, and he was raving about, your, about this church and um, had a great time. But uh, we are currently the camp, campus pastors in the Wellington uh, City Campus. Um, but we joined Arise as 18-year-old university students and um, when the church was about 30 people in a little dance and drama hall in Newtown. And uh, since then, we've just been on the journey. Uh, we've been the community pastors, the kids pastors, the young adults pastors. Um, I think I was in the internship pastor for a while there and uh, campus pastors. And at the moment, we're also overseeing a bit of youth. So... We kind of just wear many hats and do whatever it, do whatever is needed to be done to make church happen. But it's a great honor and we love, we love serving the local church. And I brought a picture of my family to show you this morning. I don't know if the team have it. They had it. You've got it. Great. I just thought, oh, here we are. This was taken on Mother's Day just a few weeks ago. Um, and that's our nice, like, floral arrangement background that we've got going on there. So that's Ben. Um, and these are my kids. This is Ella, who's 10. And she is our princess, little princess Ella. She just loves Barbies and dolls and anything beautiful and pretty. And then next to her is Madison, who is seven. And uh, she's our competitive athlete in the family. And Trinity actually helped me out last night, letting me know that Madison means a mighty battler. And uh, I hadn't heard that translation before, but I felt like that explains so much to me. And it's helped me understand my child. So thank you for that. And then lastly, we have Austin, who is five. And he's a bit of a dude, and he's going, this guy. That's what he's doing there in the photo. He's, uh, he's pretty stoked with himself, and he's got a great sense of humor. And we love him. So that's my family. And um, I've got a, a couple of passages of Scripture to share with you this morning. So I wondered if you could turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to the new believers in Corinthians. And he says this, Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive... I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. 
And my second scripture for you this morning is in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The title of my message this morning is Don't Take the Bait. Don't Take the Bait. And I want to simply talk today about how we can live a life free from offense. A life free from offense. You know, a couple of years ago, I um, was taking one of those pump classes at the gym. Now, I don't know if you've taken a pump class at the gym, but they are the ones where the trainer screams at you, where you sweat, sweat really hard, you have the weights, and it's just crazy. Well, anyway, I was taking one of these classes, and uh, I was kind of in the middle of the class, and we were about 10 minutes in. It was a packed-out room, a lot of sweaty people, and I noticed um, a woman sort of join in a little bit late. She was a little bit late to the class, setting up her weights, and she joined in. Now, about halfway through the class, you know, the instructor's cheering us on. You know, they kind of scream at you a little bit. It's quite intimidating. But um, she calls out to this lady who was a bit late. She said, oh, lady in the pink top, you need to bend your knees and stick your butt out when you're doing your squats. And uh, we all just carried on, um, carrying on with that, with that section. And then like a, five minutes later, she called out to the lady again, lady in the pink top, you need to bend your knees. And, um, and I was unprepared for what happened next. I was unprepared for the response of this lady in the pink top. Because what she did then was she lifted that weight right above her head and she threw it down on the ground with a massive thud. Everyone turned and looked at her and then she flicked on her heels and she stormed out of the room that day, offended that she had been corrected by the instructor. You know, I've thought about this incident a few times since that day and I thought, you know, maybe the instructor, maybe she could have got down off her platform and gone, gone and had a gentle word with this lady, you know, to try and correct her technique. And perhaps that would have saved her the embarrassment. But it was a busy class, and there was a lot of people in the room, and the instructor probably didn't have time to get down and do that um, in the middle of the section. But what she, what she was trying to do was correct this lady's technique so she wouldn't hurt herself, so she wouldn't get an injured back, and so that she would leave the class safely. But this woman stormed out, offended, and sadly, without the buns of steel that she so required when she took that class that day. You know, in this life, I've discovered that an opportunity for offense will always come our way. But we don't have to live in captivity to the words and actions of those around us. You see, offense is a trap. Offense is a trap, but we can escape from it. The trap has been set, but we don't have to step into it. And I want to encourage us today to make a decision to live a life free from offense. We're going to learn this morning to not take the bait. Don't take the bait. You know, in the world we live in today, it seems that there's always a reason to take up an offense. And not just our own, but we readily share the offenses of others as well. And everybody's opinion can go public with social media. Informed or misinformed, truth or half-truth. With a click of a button, we can share our view with maybe hundreds, thousands, potentially even millions of people around the world. But Matthew 24 verse 10 says, 
In the last days, many will be offended, betray each other, and hate each other. Notice the progression there. Many will be offended. It starts with offense. It leads to betrayal, which leads to hate. The spirit of this age is a spirit of offense. You know, I was really pumped. I went to watch uh, Taylor Swift when she did her 1989 world tour here in Auckland quite a few years ago. Such a great show. And, you know, at the time she was singing that song, Shake It Off, you know. Don't worry about what people say. Just shake it off, shake it off. Such a good song. Anyway, fast forward a few years, and now the Reputation album, what's she singing? She's singing, don't look what you made me do. She's got the snakes. She's got the, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but she's bitter and twisted about what has happened to her. So disappointed in Taylor Swift for taking on offense and not letting things go and not shaking it off like she said she would. She said she was going to shake it off, but she's not shaking it off anymore. You know, have you ever scrolled down to read the comments section at the bottom of articles at Stuff, on Stuff articles? Maybe don't do it if you've never done it. It's a scary place to go. You know, we're the keyboard warriors of this world like to go and share their disdain and disapproval about everything that happens. And you know what I've noticed is that everybody seems right. Everybody seems right. Everybody seems justified. Everyone's got their opinion, their take on it, and it's hard to know sometimes where the truth would lie. Proverbs 18 verse 17 says, The first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. The first to speak sounds right. When you hear the first half of the story, you think, oh my gosh, that is terrible. I'm going to jump on board with that. How dare they say that? How dare they do that? I'm offended that that happened. But then the second half of the story comes out. And oh, oh, actually, maybe, maybe we were a bit misinformed. Maybe we were a bit too quick to judge. You see, we've created our own sort of public courtroom. And the first person to speak is always hailed as right and correct until the cross-examination begins and we look a little bit deeper and we dig a little bit deeper and maybe realize that our offense and our disdain is unfounded. Offended. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite movies, and I don't know if anyone here would have seen it today, but it's called Mean Girls. Uh, if you got some, some fans have seen the Mean Girls movie. Yep, I like that movie. And uh, it's basically about a group of teenage girls who say horrible things about each other, only to learn the consequences of their actions. And uh, there's a particular scene in the movie, at the end of the movie, where the principal asks the junior school to come into the hall. And uh, he does this exercise with them. He says, you know, has anyone here in this room had someone say something horrible about them? If, if you have, why don't you lift your hand? And all the girls, they shoot their hands up in the air like, oh, yes, I have. I've been hurt. And then he says, okay, put your hands down. And then he says to them, okay, is there anyone here who has said something horrible about someone else, who's betrayed a friend? And they all kind of look sheepishly around at each other and then slowly every hand in the room goes up like, oh, yeah, that was me. I did it. I did actually say something bad. You know... We could probably do the same exercise in this room today, but don't worry. Don't worry, we won't. But often we are so concerned about what others say or what other people said or about our friend and what was said about our friend that we neglect to pay attention to the words that are coming out of our own mouths. 
You know, a few years ago when I was a young adults pastor, I was feeling a bit sad one day uh, because someone said something a little bit not nice about me. And um, I was just reflecting on it, feeling a bit low. And, you know, I was like, that wasn't my heart. That That isn't who I am. And how do they say that about me? They don't even really know me. And that's not what I meant. And they've taken that comment out of context and all that sort of stuff. And I was reading Ecclesiastes at the time. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21 to 22. I came across this scripture. It says, do not pay attention to every word people say. That'll just bring healing to your life there and there. Do not pay attention to every word people say. Or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you have cursed others. It's basically saying, why are you so concerned and listening to everything that everybody's saying without reflecting on the words that are coming out of your own mouth? Perhaps we should be more concerned about what comes out of our own lips. You know, Jesus put it this way, why are you concerned about the speck in someone else's eye when there's a plank in your own eye? Remove your own plank and then you will be able to get out that tiny little speck in your brother's eye. You know, the truth is we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. Oh, I had good intentions. I meant well. But we judge other people by what they do. They did this. They did that. They said that. And we don't get to see their heart. It's uh, it's crazy times. You know, (laughs) I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a PK and, uh, and proud of it. I grew up in church in Wanganui and, uh, back in the 80s and 90s when it was exciting times on the church scene. And, um, my father, he was the pastor of the church. He, before he got saved, he was a drummer and quite a good drummer, actually. He played for a 70s band called the Chicks. And so he loved the drums. And, um, oh, I'm going to lose my, my prop here. Um, he decided that he, you know, every now and again, uh, you know, when he was just in the moment, he would jump on the drum, jump on the drums in the middle of church and have a good, you know, bang about just to lift the level a little bit. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was amazing. My dad, the drummer. I mean, how cool is that? How many churches have a pastor who drums as well? But unfortunately, not everyone thought that a pastor that drummed was quite as cool as I thought it was. And people got offended that the pastor played the drums from time to time. It was crazy. I know. How could you be offended at a great drum-playing pastor? But it's true. They got offended and they left the church. And I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand how they would take up an offense like that and leave over something so amazing, so cool, so wonderful. But you know, offense is not a new thing. It's not a new thing. And we can't be surprised when an opportunity for offense comes our way. This is not the devil's first rodeo. You know, do you realize that there is a devil who hates you? First Peter says, he prowls around like a lion, seeking who he may devour. You know, he's not just some little uh, red guy with a pitchfork and the cute little horns, like, he, 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 he. He's actually, there is an enemy that hates you. And he has a scheme. He has 
a trap that he has devised to trip us up and to catch us out. And it is a fence. You know, we are in a battle. We are in a battle, whether we like it or not. And we need to understand the battle so we are not unwitting targets and become neutralized in our effectiveness in our relationship with God. Offense is a trap of the devil. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. The truth is, the sin of unforgiveness gives the devil great access to believers' lives. It gives him access to our lives. And Matthew 6.16 says, If you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. That's a convicting passage of Scripture right there. If you refuse to overlook an offense, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in Christ, how will your Father then forgive your sins? Unforgiveness basically gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus Christ. The word offense in the Greek, I looked it up, means a stick for bait. A stick for bait. And... um, I brought my stick for bait with me today, uh, as you can see here. Very high tech. I went down to uh, the warehouse and bought and bought this $14 uh, fishing rod, kids fishing rod, and it detaches so it could fit in my suitcase. Um, and I didn't even attach the little rod thing. I did this message in one of our campuses in Christchurch, actually, and I asked them to to put a fishing rod for me on stage. And the fishing rod they put on stage was so big. It was like one of those fly fishing rods. It was like sticking all the way out here. And when I went to uh, grab the piece of paper, they still had the hook on it, and I stabbed myself with the hook. So I was like, I couldn't risk it today. I'm going to bring my own fishing rod without a hook so that I don't get caught out. But this is, this is my stick for bait. A fence is like a stick for bait. And Paul writes to this letter, this letter into the next generation, to his to this church and he says basically forgive 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 if there's anything to forgive you should just forgive it you see offense likes to lure us in it likes to lure us in it just kind of dangles there in front of us just tempting us just tempting us to bite down on that thing and sometimes we take it hook line and sinker and i just wanted to have a look this morning at some common offenses that lure us in, some common offenses that come our way so that we can be aware of the devil's schemes and we can escape the trap. Um, I've never fished, I've only ever fished once in my life. I just feel like I need to tell you this this morning. I've only ever fished once in my life and I caught three crabs. So um, I'm not a very good fisher person, fisherman. Um, this is the extent of my fishing here, just dangling these papers in front of you. Um, so good. So the first um, common offense, I think, is unmet, unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. And there it is. You know, people let you down. They disappointed you. I think it's often the ones, people that are closest to us, that often disappoint us the most because we have such high expectations of them. You know, the gap between our expectation and uh, where that person delivers, the gap between that is where offense can creep in. You know, perhaps we had unrealistic expectations of a person or of a leader or of someone close to us, and they let us down. They didn't meet our expectations. And so we let offense come in, 
and we take the bait. I'm going to try and rip this off this morning. Hallelujah. Okay, the second common offense is disagreements. Disagreements. You know, I wanted the chairs to be set out this way. They wanted the chairs to be set out that way. And that we just had a disagreement. We didn't agree. And now I don't like that person anymore. I'm taking offense. I'm disagree. They don't think like I do. So I'm going dis- to disagree with them. And so I'm now offended. Offended. Disagreements. I don't know. I've, I've, maybe I'm the only one here who's ever had a disagreement with anybody in their life before. I'm sure all of you here are just such super nice Christians. You've never had a disagreement with anyone before. Um, oh, that was quite dramatic. Okay. Overlooked. Being overlooked. Not acknowledged. Not encouraged. I did this and nobody cared. You know, the Bible says that we'd work for the Lord. And that promotion comes from the Lord. But sometimes it's easier just to blame somebody else for where we've ended up in life. Perhaps we felt overlooked. Perhaps we worked really hard and no one paid us any attention. And so we take up offense. And my last... Oh, it's getting harder. Wow, there we go. My last one here this morning is wronged. Perhaps you were wronged. It was a legitimate... Someone did you harm. They didn't treat you right. They didn't, um, they misused you. They betrayed you. Yet they were disloyal. Perhaps your offense this morning is based on a legitimate wrong. But you take the bait and you chomp down and you bite that thing. And the only thing about it when we take that offense is that it, f- it might feel good initially, but then that hook that hook sinks into our heart and it traps us and it sticks there and it stays there and it feels pretty uncomfortable because now we are caught. Now we are caught and it hurts. We've chomped down on that bait but now we've been caught and the hook is in our heart and it hurts. And you know, now we can't seem to get that situation or that thing or that problem out of our minds. Perhaps you're traveling to work in the morning and you're still thinking about that incident it's annoying you you're taking a shower in the morning and you start to think about that person and you shampoo your hair extra hard just because you're so frustrated you know you start to avoid them don't want to look them in the eye because that hook it's just digging away on the inside and it doesn't feel good you know john maxwell says if you are focusing on what you don't want you will simply get more of what you don't want. If you're focusing on what you don't want, if you're focusing on the negative things, on the offenses, on the betrayals, you simply end up with more of what you don't want. Romans 2 chapter 1 puts it like this, we become like those we judge. And before you know it, everyone is offending you. They seem suspicious. They looked at me a funny way. You know, and more and more offense more and more hurt and distrust ends up coming our way because this hook has taken hold in our hearts. So what are we going to do this morning? What are we going to do? How are we going to escape from this trap? If we've taken the bait and it's sitting in our hearts, it's tearing away at us, and the devil's reeling us in, he's pumped, 
that we've become offended. I want to show you this morning, just quickly, a way that an escape route, an escape route from this trap, because God has given us an escape route. See, offense is a trap, but you don't have to take the bait. You don't have to step into it. There is an escape route that God has given us and a life that leads to freedom. Uh, Acts 24 verse 10 says, I exercise myself to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. I exercise myself to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. You know, just like a fit, healthy body does not happen automatically, such a shame. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just automatically have a fit, healthy body? No. If we want to get fitter, if we want to get healthier, we actually have to exercise and look after ourselves. It's the same in the spiritual realm. If we want to have a conscience that is free from offense towards God and man, we're going to have to deal with the issues as they come up. We're going to have to exercise our conscience. It's a sign of spiritual maturity. You know, the greatest, most beautiful Christians I know are people who have learnt this. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. You know, I'm always so inspired by the beautiful older people in our church congregation, the 60 and 70-year-olds who have journeyed through life who have seen so much and who have traveled and, and experienced so much and yet they remain um, pure-hearted, yet they remain encouraging of the younger generation, yet they can speak a positive word, they can help raise up and shape the new generation that's coming through. I want to look at them and I think, I want to be like you. I want to be a 70, 80-year-old grandma who is cheering on the next generation, who hasn't let bitterness and, and, and offense come and, and take over my heart, but is still in the race, is still pure-hearted and is still going after God. You know, if we don't treat wounds correctly, they will never heal. If we don't treat wounds correctly, they will never heal. When we hurt our physical bodies, it's obvious. We go and see a doctor. We hurt our physical bodies, we go and see a doctor. But when we get hurt in the arena of our soul, when it is our heart that aches, we need to see our heavenly physician. We need to go to God with those things. So I've got three quick ways this morning that we can escape the trap of offense. Are you ready for it today? Are you ready for it today? Thank you. Awesome. Okay, the first way is go to God. Go to God. Psalm 142 verse 2 says, I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. I pour out my complaints towards him and tell him all my troubles. We go to God first with our offense and our grievance. We don't go to Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or have a little email with all our friends about the offense that's come our way. But the first place we go to with that offense is God. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he understands and he sympathizes with us. He understands what it's like to be betrayed. He understands what it's like to have a friend betray him, for people to be disloyal to him. He understands what it's like to be treated uh, incorrectly. He understands what it's like to have offense come his way. And yet he remained without sin. He never took the bait. We have a perfect example, our Lord Jesus Christ. He never took the bait. He never stepped into 
that trap. You know, let, let's go to the one who empathizes with our trials and yet triumphed over them all. You know, I think if we went to God first and we let the Holy Spirit minister to us and we took that thing to Jesus straight away when it happened and we opened our hearts up to him and we let the Holy Spirit come in, I reckon that about 80% of our offenses and our problems, those little things that annoy us, could probably be solved and resolved in a moment in an encounter with God if we first went to him with our offenses. The second thing we can do is we can go to the person. You know, if somebody wrongs you and you are seeking resolution, the Bible teaches us to go to the person. Now, I just did a little side note here that that's not going to the person to get revenge. You know, like, just so you know, I really hated you, but I've forgiven you now for what you did. And then the person's like, what? You hated me all that time and I didn't know? I don't know if you've ever had anyone come up to you and say that, but it's it's not a nice, that's not like going to the person in a spirit of reconciliation. That's like going into like, just get the dagger and twist it a little bit, you know? But we go to the person for reconciliation. If someone has hurt or offended you, really the only direction you should be taking that offense is to that person. Proverbs 17 verse 19 says, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Isn't that beautiful? Whoever would foster love would cover over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You know, I think when, when an opportunity or when an offense comes our way, we have an opportunity. We can decide. Am I going to foster love in this situation? Am I going to cover over this offense? Or am I potentially going to lose a friend? Am I going to separate friendships? You know, um, I've got three kids and they fight a lot, um, and as kids do. And uh, there's many grievances that happen in our household, toys that are taken, um, not sharing. You know, there's always pretty much every day there's someone that will come to me with a complaint or an offence about a brother or sister and how they have acted. It's just what siblings do. I don't know if I'm the only parent who has siblings, sibling rivalry, sibling offences, sibling grievances. It's very common. Um, but anyway, we, you know, obviously when things happen, we get the kids to say sorry to one another, you know. I'm sorry, Madison. I'm sorry, Austin. And say sorry to each other. But, you know, sometimes this, they just say the sorry, but the sorry doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really cut it, you know. Someone, if they're just like, oh, I'm sorry that I did that. So um, often it's Austin that's annoying Madison, and he's often having to go to her and, and say sorry for just funny things that he's done. And um, we went through the season where he'd come and be like, I'm sorry, Madison, and she'd be like, Ugh, you know, just not accepting the apology, just like whatever. And so we started to train our kids that when they said sorry to each other, after they'd said sorry, the next thing they would say is they would look each other in the eyes and say, that's okay, I forgive you. That's okay, I forgive you. So it wasn't just sorry for sorry's sake, but it was an engagement with the process. Yes, you offended me, but I'm choosing now to forgive you. We want to train them to, be, to become people who can overlook offense in their lives. My third point this morning and if the band could join me on stage, I don't know where they are in the auditorium. There they go, wonderful band. Uh, is to forgive. Forgive. Go to God, go to the person, and thirdly, our escape 
from offence is to forgive. The Apostle Paul refers to it in his letter so many times. Forgiveness. It's so easy. It's the foundation of our faith. Forgiveness. We are forgiven by God and we forgive others. A person who cannot forgive has simply forgotten what they are forgiven of. A person who cannot forgive has forgotten what they are forgiven of. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You know, forgiveness is a choice. It's a crisis of the will. You know, we often say, why should I let them off the hook? Why should I let them, why should I let them off the hook? Why should I let them off the hook? But that's precisely the point, is that you're still hooked onto that thing. You're still hooked onto that thing. If you choose to hold on to it, if you choose not to forgive, you're still hooked on to that situation. Let it go and let God deal with them. He can do that fairly. That's something that we can't do. We can't deal with them fairly. We need to let go and let God. You know, we might say, you don't understand. You don't understand how much this person hurt me. But I just want you to see this morning that they're still hurting you. If you're still hooked to that thing, they're still hurting you. You're still letting the power of that offense come and take root in your life. It's time to let go. How do you stop the pain? Well, you don't actually forgive someone for their sake. You don't forgive someone for their sake. You forgive them for your own sake so you can escape the trap, so you can be unhooked from that thing, that you can let go of the bait and you can walk into a life of freedom, forgiveness and fullness. You know, uh, forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is costly. Because we choose to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. But the reality is that we're going to have to live with the consequences of other people's sin. But we just choose whether we live in the freedom of forgiveness or if we live bound to the past and in bitterness. I want to encourage you this morning to forgive. Offense is a trap. If you take one thing away from this message this morning, is that offense is a trap. But you can escape from it. You can escape from it. We can choose to forgive. Living in captivity to the words and actions of those around us is not God's plan for our lives. His plan for us is a life of freedom. His plan for us is a life free from offense. His plan for us is a pure heart and a clear conscience. His plan for us is a life free from the burdens of the past. And it is a new day in Jesus' name. You know, some of us here today have been hurt deeply. And I in no way diminish anyone's pain this morning by talking about this. But the things that if people have said or done, if they've scarred you and they've shaped your world, I want to encourage you this morning, take that thing to God. Take that offense, take that grievance and take it to God. Let the master physician heal your heart. Open up to him and let that offense go so healing can come in Jesus' name. There is an escape from the trap today. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has great days ahead of you. And it does not involve you being bound to this past thing that has happened. It is a life of freedom. It is a life of a fresh start. It is a life of promises and opportunities. And it is our life with our eyes fixed on him. There is an escape from the trap this morning. You know, whatever words have been spoken over you today, 
I've had some words spoken over my life that have sunk into my heart and hurt me good. But you know what? When we come to Jesus and we choose to let go, he washes over that. He makes it new. He puts a new declaration over our lives. He declares a new promise over our lives. He declares a new future over our lives. He says, no, that that was wrong. What that person said was wrong. You are awesome. You are going to make it. You are not a deadbeat. You are not a dropout. You are going to succeed in life. You are victorious in Jesus' mighty name. But we need to lay those offenses down and let Jesus come in. Now, I'd love for you to stand this morning just before I finish out this message today. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you today. Because if we're honest, offense happens to all of us. Offense happens to all of us. None of us are exempt from being offended or being hurt by the actions of people around us. And so I really felt like I wanted to pray this morning uh, for people who are saying, you know what, actually this morning I'm going to choose to lay that offense down. I'm going to choose to lay that grievance at the foot of the cross. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to let go and let God. You know, maybe there's a bit of a wrestle in your heart this morning. And even as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit has been touching on an area in your life and saying, you know what, it's time to let that go. It's time to take the hook out and to let the healing um, power of Jesus Christ come in and fill that void. Awesome. We're just going to close our eyes and lift our hands this morning. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today and that you are moving in hearts and lives. Thank you that you love us, Lord, that you forgive us, Lord, that you know the condition of our hearts, that you see our motives and intentions. Lord God, that you come alongside us in moments of pain and weakness. And Father, you give us strength to carry on. Lord God, I pray for every person here today, Lord God, who needs to lay down an offense this morning. Lord God, I pray that as they choose to lay it down, as they choose to put it in your hands, that right now, Lord God, your Holy Spirit would come and flood their life. Lord God, we thank you that you've given us a pattern. You've shown us how to forgive. You've shown us by dying on a cross that we should forgive others. And Lord God, we choose this morning to let those offenses go. And Lord God, as we let them go, I pray that miracles would happen. Lord God, I pray that a fresh uh, outpouring of your Spirit would flood lives. Lord God, I pray that there would be peace. Lord God, where there has been anxiety and despair for so long, I declare the peace of Christ coming to flood into people's lives. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We choose this morning. We choose this morning to let go. We choose this morning to let go. We choose this morning to let go in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you for your healing, Lord. We thank you for your power, Lord. We thank you for a new day, Lord. We declare that those words, those actions, they don't have any hold over our lives anymore. We're taking the hook out in Jesus' mighty name.